0: Well, this Sunday marks the second Sunday in our Advent calendar. I'd like to invite Olivia Farrell to come on up and light two of our candles this morning. One of our illustrious youth. Welcome, Olivia. And as she lights the candle, I'd like to read the uh, candle of this week represents love And I read from 1 John 3, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. What an amazing love of God that he shows us even today. And if you've not received the Advent calendar packet, I know they're available at the back door. We've been enjoying this as a family. It's just been giving us some good words each day. I've enjoyed some of the stories and emails I've got how God has used just some of the different challenges through this Advent calendar to reach out to a neighbor or to show love to someone in need. So, um, exciting part of these days. And as in Advent, one of the things I want to remind us is that we celebrate those who waited for the coming of the Christ. Who waited for Christ's birth in Bethlehem. And we celebrate that, but we also celebrate waiting for Christ's second coming. As we wait, and I've just been encouraged that we have that attitude daily that says, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, the Lord is coming, and that we keep that expectancy. I thought it was so fascinating that God never gave us a date. If he gave us a date, we'd somehow work our lives around that date when he's coming. But it's very clear he did not give us that date so that we keep an expectancy of heart. Keep that waiting attitude, making our lives in right order because Jesus could come back even today. And so in Advent, in the second week, our focus is the love of God. And I've invited uh, Gary Gilbertson, my friend, my brother, one of my One of the pastors that stands with me day after day, week after week. I've so much appreciated the bond and friendship that God has given us. It's always a special treat when Gary comes and preaches to us. Let's welcome Gary to the City Hill Pulpit. Gary and his vacuum cleaner. Raindrops
1: on roses and whiskers on kittens bright copper kettles, and warm woolen mittens. Brown paper packages wrapped up with strings. These are some of my favorite things. Well, Julie, Andrews, I've got some other favorite things that don't match that at all. This vacuum cleaner, I just love it. And I could sell this stuff, Shugu. I love it. And um, and Dawn Power Wash. I just went and bought a dozen of these. I cleared the shelf of all. I cleared it of all the um, refills. My wife introduced me. I love her too. Um, but these things. Oh, and my shirt. Kent used to wear this. But I told him I loved it. And so I found it wrapped up. And, and by the way, I, I noticed you got some new shoes that I really like. <laughs> we use the word love in a lot of ways, don't we? And we, we all have thought about it a lot. We've heard many messages on it. And we just keep needing to hear and so I want to pray, Lord Jesus Christ, we have not plumbed the depths of your love at all. It's as deep as the ocean, Father. Now, Father, we won't fully, fully understand or receive it till we see you face to face. And that's what we look for, as Kent was saying, Father. <clears throat> but I pray that today, that there be no spirit of condemnation, when we see how short we fall in some area. But I do pray for a spirit of conviction that has hope that, wow, there's more for me. And and that we look for that and we receive it because we're going to be receiving your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, love, you all expect somebody to preach on love to go to 1 Corinthians 13. You hear that every wedding um, it's arguably one of the most famous passages of literature in the history of the world. Arguably it is one of the most, if not the most famous passage known by more people, quoted by more people than any other passage in in. The history of the world. So I'm going to do it today. I don't want to disappoint you. So 1 Corinthians 13. And I'm going to read a lot of scripture today. And just let it soak. Let it soak in. These are living words of God. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels. But have not love. I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. I'm getting closer and closer to the time where I'm going to stand before the throne of God. And I would hate to hear me recite the things I've given away. And, and by the way, I died, Lord, going into a building to save this lady's puppy. And I died. And I've given away the money. God, you know how much money I've given away. Um, so I can hardly wait to hear what I get. He said, well, Gary... You know that burning building you went into? And everything, your own body got burned up? Well, you know what? I've got a couple rewards for you. But mostly, everything you did is burned up. You know, we could have a lot of gifts. And we exercise those gifts. We could be a, a preacher. We could be a vacuum, car, a vacuum salesman. We could, we could do a lot of things. We could, we could give a lot of money to the church and get this debt down. But God says, if you don't have love, there's nothing. You know, we honor people for their gifts. We, on, this, on this level, we honor people if they're a gifted musician, uh, if they're, if they're um, a gifted teacher. We honor them. If they're a gifted lawyer, we honor them. God doesn't. He does not honor people for gifts. Any more than I should be honored because I have a nice shirt today. It was a gift. <laughs> we, that's it. There's no credit for gifts. Zero. So what do you take pride in? What do I take pride in? What do I expect thanks for? We, you know, we, we need to evaluate the way God evaluates, so that when we see Him, we've got the right evaluation and the right expectation. And He's going to say, here's when you loved. That's why you gave this. That's why you did this. is because you loved. So, what is love? Love is patient. Hold it a second. We're going to have a whole list here. Am I going to get through all of them? No, I don't think so. When I, when I was a young seminary student, I was very disciplined in prayer. I had a, I had a, a card for every day, and I, and I realized I couldn't pray for everything every day, so I categorized things. And this day I prayed for my, pray, uh, my friends, and, and this day I prayed for my family, and this day I prayed for the ministries I was getting involved in, and this day I did that. And, and then... Sunday came and I was out of categories. And I said, oh, I should pray for me, God. Is there anything that you would want to do in me? And I mean, I heard God's voice for the first time I remember. I just said, is there anything you want patience? I mean, I didn't get it out of my mouth hardly. And it, patience, I thought I was a patient person. But that was the first thing he said. And by the way, it's step one in love. Do you get impatient? Are you in a hurry? I had a young lady say to me just the other day. Now, I've been working on patience. I mean, I've been asking for grace for patience. But a young lady said to me, Gary, don't be in a hurry. It was just, it was such, you know, my wife has been telling me that for years. But, you know, somebody else says it and, you know, but I'll give credit to my wife. Don't be in such a hurry. My, my fellow will say to me, Gary, you're in your hurry up mood, mode. Got to get it done. Got to get, you know, it, it doesn't go that much faster when you hurry. And you miss opportunities. Like you're in line, and the line is long, and you, oh you know, man, where's the shorter line? You know, okay, you got to get home. we got to do this, we got to do that. You know, and, and, and there's not a shorter line, so you got to stand there, and you just kind of tap your foot. There's somebody behind you with two pizzas and a kid that's screaming, and you got a basket full. Ma'am, you want to you go ahead on me? Oh, oh, thank you. Yeah. Somebody needs to get in line on the highway. Now, these are just little things, but they're evidence of how we are. Are you impatient on the road? Start praying for grace of God that you can let that person on and you don't have to beat them. Patience, impatience shows up in a lot of ways. I know. God continues to show that to me. The harder thing is to be patient with somebody you're living with that does the same thing over and over. That you don't like. Do you have patience with that person? One time a man that was living with us for a time down in Dallas he was trying to explain something to me and I was just on a map. And I was just sitting there. Come on, you know, like this. And he started preaching to me. I mean, I didn't. I didn't think I. I don't think he knew how impatient I was getting with him, because he was scratching his head. and he said, "Well, no, maybe you should take a left." Oh, you know, he was going on. Oh, you know, come on, just. And he said, "You know, you know, Gary. Think about patience. Is you know, when you're patient with others, God is patient with you, and and otherwise, He has to put you through things where." People are impatient when you are struggling with something. And I really don't think he saw what he was doing. He just started preaching to me. He was kind of a preacher and just started saying that stuff. And I never forgot that. You know, do you want people to be patient with you and your weaknesses and your mistakes and all that? Then love, love is patient. And for 20 years, I didn't hear God say anything else about about, uh, love. About 20 years. Then I went to buy a trick that absolutely terrorized young ladies and women because it was. It said "snake eggs." Careful, danger. And on the inside, it had a a a rubber band wrapped thing that, if you released it, it went in the envelope like something inside. It was one of the most fun. Gags I'd ever seen. I mean, and I lost one. I had one for years, and then I lost it. And I'm in this store, and I see, and I say, "Oh, there it is!" And I went to buy it. And uh, do you ever hear God clear his throat? throat) What? What? Two bucks. It's not a waste of money. And I heard so clearly, it's not kind. After 20 years, he started working on kindness. 20 years. You know why I'm getting, I've lived this long because I have got eight more to go through, something like that. And God is getting, he's patient with me. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Uh, I don't want your shoes. Uh, I'm just glad they look so good on you. Okay? Okay. He doesn't boast. Oh, by the way, envy. I was um, in Dallas, and Stella and I had uh, been married about a year, something like that. And uh, I had just found out that God talks to people. Uh, he, also that he talks through people. Prophecy. I'd never, in my seminary years, I'd never come across all that stuff. And God just started opening my mind and my heart and telling me, you can do it. Well, I hadn't done it. But then one day, we had two Afro-American neighbors, these two ladies, Renell and Ethel. They were just sweet as could be. And they knew the Lord. And uh, they came over to our apartment, and, um, and we were just sitting there talking about Jesus. I thought the Lord said, prophesy to everybody. Well, I hadn't done that before. But I went over to uh, Ethel, and I said something like this. You need to go back to your husband. And I said, oh, she didn't like that prophecy. I said, anyways, oh boy, God, this is kind of dangerous stuff. Then I went to Renell and I had something for Renell, and then I prophesied very carefully over my wife. But, but then, then I found my hand going like this. And I said out loud, my son, you have a spirit of jealousy. Wow, I was right. You know, I didn't see it. I'd never, I'd never suspected that of myself. You know, there's so many things about how we behave and how we think that we're just ignorant of or we excuse it or we know it and we think it's no big deal. It's a big deal. So that's, God's been working on that. Uh, don't boast. I just love to name drop. Do you like that? I just, I just love it when people know how many people I know and, oh, I know them and, and oh, no, Pastor Ken and I just had lunch. He, you know, I, I kind of advise him on things, you know. <laughs> don't you love that kind of thing? Oh, I just love to name drop. But there it goes. Love does not boast. It's not arrogant. And my wife is always telling me how humble I am, so I don't have to work on that one. Not rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. Ah! I just lost one of those. I love real Christmas trees. The smell, mmm, I just love them. And dear friend gave us one, again this year, and I just, but Stella would prefer a smaller one this year, an artificial one, and I, oh man. I got a call from a neighbor. Hey, Gary, last year you said you had an extra Christmas tree and we didn't, couldn't use it last year. Uh, do you have another one this year? I said, nope. Hmm. Then you know what happened. So I just put up the artificial tree yesterday. The neighbor's next door. they said, Oh, the kids just love the tree, you know. That's great. I, I have to work on not insisting on my own way. Didn't insist. So that doesn't... Lord, help me with all of these. Uh, does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Loves, a love bears all things. And by the way, that word uh, is an interesting one because later on it says it believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Okay, how is bearing all things different from enduring all things? Well, I looked that up a little bit and it actually means cover, the, the Greek word there is the first definition is covers all things, and I think, you know, I have especially in the past loved to be in the know on the on the things that people do wrong. I, I loved well, I knew that about you know, or maybe you didn't know this. You know, I would of my old man would love to know all the bad things that people are involved in, but the Bible says love covers. Love covers it. Love covers it. So that's some of the definition of love. Isn't it a strange statement? I mean, some, some statements are so big that you don't know what to do with them. Like, God is love. I want to read some more scriptures here, but before I do that, I said, you know, a lot of people fall in love, and that's exactly what happens. They get drunk emotionally, and they fall. But guess what? You don't fall into agape. You fall into eros. But you don't fall into agape. You choose it and you do it. And it comes after you fall in love, then you often learn to love. But it's something that you learn. It's something that you receive the grace of God for. But that's where the world is so distorted and mistaken. They think they have, we think we have a good feeling towards somebody, and that's love. Do you know that the mafia has good feelings for their family? That the Nazis went home and treated their families decently? What distinguishes God's love? The Bible says that, that what good is it if you greet your neighbors and your friends? This is Jesus. He says, everybody does that. But the love I give you, you're going to love your enemies. That's what's going to distinguish you. I, I cried on the cross. Forgive them. Stephen cried as he's dying. Forgive them. I, I loved everybody. And some people receive my love. And some people don't. But our job is very simple. Our distinguishing characteristic is very simple. We love everybody. I go to a group, I've bounced to several groups during COVID and just before and one of them mm, feels like feels like none of them know the Lord and uh, they're all very bright and I'm kind of watching for good apologetic moments to insert my conversation in their coffee time and I kind of worried about it because they're all smarter than me. Uh, And on the way there one day I said, I thought God said very clearly, Gary, love them. Love them. That made my job a lot simpler. A lot more simple. And I do give the apologetic answers to some of the things they're debating about. I do do that. But my main job, and that should be part of it, not to win an argument, but to win their heart and, and see them experience the love of God. Um, all things work together for good. To those who love the Lord, to those, it, everything doesn't work for good. COVID's not gonna work for your good if you don't love the Lord. But it is, if you love the Lord, two things and are called according to his purpose. You know what he wants, you seek him for his will. And you love him, and that's why you seek him. Love and obedience. So, I was having the most awful time getting uh, a um, a cartridge. Uh, uh, it wasn't the cartridge that was made by the um, company brother, and, and I bought offline you know a second you know and they said it'll work well it wasn't working so I called the company and they said okay well we'll get you to a tech <clears throat> technician so I went all the way to India on my phone and I, I got a fellow in India and um, he said how can I help you sir he was very very flat you know didn't, didn't look like anybody was in, interested in more conversation at all But he was able to help me, and I thanked him, and I said, boy, that's great. And then, like many people do online, they'll say, is there anything else I can help you with, sir? And 100% of the time now, I'll say, well, yes, there is. Can you tell me the meaning of life? And there's always a little pause, and then a little chuckle, and usually, well, I, I don't know that yet. And I'll say something like, what? The meaning of life. Isn't that one of the most important things in the world to know? And they said, yeah, okay, let me give you a chance. It's to be happy and to love your family. So that's, that's certainly a wonderful thing. But there's a lot of people that don't have those opportunities. And, and, you know, they can still have meaning. I said, let me try this one. This is something somebody told me once. If you don't love God and love people in the end, your life will be meaningless. little silence. You know, I agree with that. Of course, it's what the Lord said. Two commandments. This whole book hangs on two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Every, if you do those two things, and you find out the details of how that's worked out, that's the message. That's God's commandment to us. So this man who seemed very, uh, very flat, he said, uh, "Well, that, that's that's interesting. Uh, thank you for sharing that." I said, uh, "I assume that you're," and and his demeanor changed. And this is this is just one example, but I mean Stella could tell you. Almost daily I say, I do this with people. And uh, I said, um, I assume you're a Hindu, is that correct? He said, yes, that's right. That's right. I said, and you believe in, the Hindus believe in a person named Jesus that he is really a good person, right? He said, yes, we do. I said, well, can I tell you what he really came to do? And I explained... What I carry around all the time, and I brought them for anybody that wants to take them. I call it a ticket to heaven. It's 15 words. I've done that before here, but I brought some more again today. I said, Can I explain what Jesus came to do? And I just told him about the love of God and what Jesus did. And he said, And we talked about 15 minutes, you know, maybe more. I don't want to exaggerate. I'm an evangelist, so, you know, we're prone to do that but it seemed longer than 15 minutes, but I'll say 15. It was that at least. And at the end, this is what he said. He said, Mr. Gilbertson, you have no idea what this has meant to me. You have touched the bottom of my heart. And I've had other people say, oh my goodness, that made my day. Oh, the people are so hungry for the love of God. And and we know it. We know it. We need to share it. Peter thought he loved the Lord. And he did. But he denied him three times. And I want to read what Peter... uh, (laughs) A couple of things about Peter. First of all, Peter had um, insight from the Holy Spirit in Matthew 16 that almost... Nobody at that time had. He said, who do you say I am, Peter? He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, you didn't get this because you were thinking about it. The Holy Spirit revealed it to you, Peter. And on this confession, on what you've said, and on on your words, I'm going to build my church. I am the Christ, the son of the living God. Then he said, but I'm going to go to the cross first. Peter said, no! Why did he say no? It was because he loved him. He didn't want Jesus to go to the cross because he loved him. But he wasn't loving with knowledge. The Bible says we need to love with knowledge. The Bible says don't feed people if they won't work. It's not loving to enable people. Now, he didn't want Jesus to go through pain, and we don't like people that we love to go through pain. But if we love them, we will let them go through some pain when it's God's design for them. So let's not mistake love for always being nice. It's not always nice. You can be nice without loving, you can't love without being nice. So he didn't want Jesus to go to the cross. But it was the destiny. And thankfully, when we know we need to go through something, then around it, we'll do it. But hopefully we'll have friends that encourage us to go through, rather than around. Jesus had to go through the cross for Peter's sake. Peter didn't know it. So love with knowledge. We have to understand the will of God, the ways of God, when we love. And, and so Jesus came to Peter after he rose from the dead. There's another thing about love that Peter had to learn. Um, Jesus uh, saw them fishing, and Peter Peter was distraught. I mean, wouldn't you live in anxiety knowing that you denied the Lord three times? And then he shows up on the shore, resurrected. He's cooking some fish, and he does a miracle right there that... Man, you just jump in the water. Oh, I can't wait to see Jesus. I'm so sorry for what, I, what I've done and denying Him. And, you know, I've messed up so many times. I sunk when I was walking on water. I mean, just one thing after another, I've just messed up with, this, with Jesus and what He's wanted me to do. But there He is, and I know. I love Him, and I, oh, so He swims into shore. And, and there's Jesus cooking away, and fish is ready. And He looks at Peter. He said, Peter. Do you love me? So, <laughs> Jesus, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Tend my lambs. Peter, do you love me? <laughs> why do you ask me three times? Because you denied me three times. Peter, do you love me? Jesus, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. What's Jesus saying? If you love me, you'll love the things I love. If you love me, you'll do the things I do. Love has action. Love has action. First John, I want to read this to you because it has a lot to it. By this we know love. He laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word, Or talk. But indeed and truth. I often hear people say, I know they they love the Lord, but and I say, and sometimes I'll say it out loud, no, they don't. Because they're not forgiving people. They don't love the Lord. That's, why pamper something like that? Why? Why use a word incorrectly from what God wants? Love has action to it. Love always has an action. It might be taking time to write a letter. I got a I got a uh, text this morning from Marshall, uh, Minnesota, young man that a. One of God's sheep that I tended for a bit. And he took time to text me this morning. He said, Gary, I was just having devotions this morning. And I remember times in college. I'm so grateful for what you did. And he took time. His love for me took an action to it. And that meant the world this morning. To encourage me when I'm, man, what am I going to say up there? I'm going to flub it up. Am I going to forget this and that? And you know, but that encouragement, it came just right. Love without action is not love. And sometimes that love is the word to say it to somebody. That's the action sometimes. Do you want to? Uh, there's one more. First, one more scripture, part of 1 Corinthians 13, that is rarely read, because it's the first part of 14, and it says, "Pursue love." What is our pursuit? How do we spend our money, our time, and our affection? Do we spend it on love? Do all our actions think, "Is this a way I can show love?" Or how can I show love in this situation? Is that what we pursue? How do we pursue love? It just says, do it. Pursue it. Make that the pursuit of your life. One way I'm pursuing love is looking for my sins. There was a woman in the scripture, she was immoral, well known for her immorality. Well enough that everybody knew it. Jesus was having lunch with a bunch of church folks. Pharisees in the scripture. When I say church folks, that's not a condemnation on us or whatever, but just the religious people of that time. And this woman comes up behind him. He's laying down like this at a table, and she creeps up behind him. She sees he's at dinner with these Pharisees. And she starts crying. And she had long hair. She's wiping his feet. And she took probably thousands of dollars in today's money worth of oil and pours it on his feet and, and wipes it. And, and it's, I'm, in, I'm almost embarrassed. I'm uncomfortable reading this passage because it says she's kissing his feet. And if I saw that, I'd be very uncomfortable. I really would. And Jesus had words of knowledge, so he knew. He wasn't reading his mind. He had words of knowledge. He knew what this one Pharisee was thinking. He said, man, if Jesus knew who this woman was, obviously Jesus does not know what's happening around here. And he would not let this filthy woman do that to him. He says, let me ask you a question. Oh sure, go ahead uh by the way if if Jesus asks you a question, he's not looking for the answer. He's looking for a revelation to you. He said, "What if a guy had ten bucks and he said, "Oh, skip it. It's all right." and then somebody else had. It owed $10,000. And the same guy said, skip it. Who do you think would be, would love the forgiver more? Well, I suppose the one who forgave the most. or, Or got forgiven the most. I said, that's right. I didn't wash my feet. You didn't give me water. You gave me no kiss when I came in. Those who are forgiven much, love much, so what's the secret? Know how rotten a sinner you are. And the more rotten you know you are, the more you'll love the Lord because you are rotten. <laughs> at least Stella's husband is. That's me. You know, the older I get, the more I, I look back at my past and I think, oh my goodness, God. How could I have acted like that? How could I have done that? Now, another thing that shows the love of God is that you receive his forgiveness. You don't walk around guilty. That is not honoring to God. Sometimes we think, oh, if I just feel bad about what all bad things I did, then that's going to honor God. Well, it honors God for a moment. You should feel bad about it. But then, if you don't lift your head like David after killing a man and and taking this well committing adultery then killing the husband he said he he stood up strong and he said no i'm going to teach sinners their ways I'm, your ways god i mean he 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 knew he was forgiven that's why david david was a man after god's heart he knew the heart of god we need we need to know we're forgiven and know the depths of the love of god and walk in it <sighs> I had a wonderful experience in seminary uh, with a person I'm still in fellowship with Paul Anderson. He was the first person that told me about tongues. I told him he probably had a demon um, he He just listened patiently to me but uh, but there's something different about him and i uh, he fasted he prayed he acted like a Christian on the basketball court. I remember that. And most of the other seminarians didn't. And I said, I want to know this guy. So we got to be best friends. And, um, and we had a club together, Young Life Club. We started that. We just had a great time. And he told me the other day, I thought you were the leader of that. I said, no, I thought you were the leader. I mean, it, there was no competition. None. It was, it was wonderful. And I I just had such a wonderful experience uh, leading these high school kids uh, to the Lord and discipling them with Paul. And, uh, oh, it was wonderful. We had a young lady working with us, and and the club was really successful. This is great. And um, then he went to another seminary, and I needed another person to work with. And this Mike Wood came. And he had a deep voice and was well spoken, and I thought this is going to be great. He told me he wanted to work with me. Well, it didn't take long before it was clear we did not love each other. And uh, one night we were in the car with Sarah, our girl worker. And it was a little Beetle, little Volkswagen Beetle, and I decided we got to face this because it was so obvious to the kids and everything. You know, when there's not love and leadership. It's, it can be felt. So, so I said, uh, Mike, um, might as well talk about this, but I can tell you don't like me. He said, that's kind of an understatement or something like that. And I said, and I don't like you. So there, and poor Sarah's sitting there like, oh, I like guess, you know. And uh, I said, but you know, Mike, we're both believers in Christ. We're supposed to love each other. And uh, he told me what he didn't like about me or whatever, you know. I said, okay. And I said, well, let's pray. All right, let's pray. Dear God, Mike and I don't like each other. Please help us to love each other. Amen. Amen. See ya. Well, several months. And one night um, in my room... Uh, Mike, we, I lived in a dormitory room the doors weren't locked. Mike was sitting in my room and I'd been out doing some things I, was, I got home about 12 o'clock at night I still remember that. He had a little paper bag with him and he said, Gary I, I decided to quit seminary and I'm going to go into the army and uh, I've got some clothes here that I'm not going to need anymore. We didn't have a lot of clothing and, and he said I got a belt that fits you. You're about my size and a pair of pants and Couple of things here that I'm not going to use because I'm going to have a uniform now. And he had been waiting in my room for quite a while, and he said, "Gary, I want to tell you something before I leave. I love you. I tell you what, that's a great victory for the kingdom of God. I love you too, Mike. God bless you in the service. Oh, folks, if you've got an enemy, learn how to love." If you're living with someone you think's an enemy, learn how to love. It's a small, small ride from here to eternity. Don't waste your sorrows. Don't waste your trials. Learn to love. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful that you have come to love us and we love because you first loved us. Help us to receive it, God. Where we're empty, fill us up. Where we're sinful, forgive us. Where we're self-righteous, show us our sin. And help us to be great lovers of you and lovers of one another. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: You know, when people come and join City Hill Church, we'll often ask them to tell us their testimony. And so often I hear a testimony, well, this and that happened. Then I met Gary Gilbertson. It's like that is a byline in many different testimonies of people who have been part of this church for years. And I know Gary has good theology, and I know Gary is a man that follows after the Lord, but I think probably what sets Gary as a man that has discipled so many is that he just loves people. He opens his home, Stella's good food, and Gary's late-night talks. He just loves people. And it's hard to defend yourself from love, isn't it? You may defend yourself from a theology or a way of thinking, but love has a way of getting right down to the heart. And I pray that for each of us as we go through this Christmas season that we would just say, Lord, teach me how to love well. Teach me how to love those who don't know you well. Teach me how to love those who disagree with my views or my stances or the things that I hold dear, Lord. Teach me how to be one that really loves well. It'd be a great thing for God to work into our heart. Be ready. If you really ask that prayer, God will challenge you, won't he? He'll challenge you to step out and to show love to people all around us. So, if you're our guest today, I'd love to meet with you out at the Welcome Center on the left-hand side, going out. And if you'd like someone to pray with you, to minister to you, or to seek the Lord with you, we have a prayer room right over there where Steve is standing, just feel free to join our ministry team out there. We'd love to join with you in a time of prayer today. And personally, I'd appreciate some prayer this week. I'm going to take this week and have a um, pastoral private um, retreat going away to a retreat center up in Wisconsin. Appreciate your prayers, the Lord, to really speak to me as I seek the Lord for the future for this church. I try to do this every fall, and this is my week, so I would appreciate your prayers. God bless you all. Have a great, love-filled week. In Jesus' name, amen.